It's time for mystery. Mystery Radio. It's a crime, Mr. Collins. It surely is. Rock-a-bye daddy in your old rocking chair. But keep your eyes open, there's a murderer there. That's an old traditional nursery rhyme I made up just this minute. And if it sounds plum loco, it's at least consistent. For this is a story of murder that took place in a western town notable for its plum loco-ness. Yes, it's Gail Collins here. And in a moment, I'll be back to set the stage for our puzzling crime. It's a crime, Mr. Collins. A town notable for a... What was it you called it, Gail? Plum loconess, Jack. A disease common to small towns out in the wild, wild west that still think that what Hollywood can do, they can do better. Really? Do such places really exist? Yep, they sure do, partner. <laughs> now, let me tell you. Greg and I run our way back from California, driving across the Navajo Desert. That's old Indian country, you know. And I figure they were glad to get rid of it. Well, after we had traveled for nearly three hours... We saw our first sign of civilization. Do my eyes deceive me, darling? A sign. A sign. Civilization. Well, let's see what it says. Dry Gulch. Smaller city in the West. And still by far the Goldarn Bass. Now, isn't that cute? <laughs> Pop, 100 living, 2,000 dead. I wonder when that census was taken. A handful of old frame houses in the desert. <gasps> Greg, it's a ghost town. What ghost will live here? Come on, let's take a look around. Oh, it's completely deserted. It's not a sound. Yeah, it is kind of spooky. If there was just one live thing around, I wouldn't mind. Dry Gulch is 100 years old. And seeing you are our first visitor, we've got a little surprise for you. Greg, they're mad. Follow them. The natives seem friendly. Let's see what happens. And now, ma'am, and you, sir, if you come up to this platform with me. What do we do, Greg? Come on, I don't think they're going to lynch us. Allow me to introduce myself. My name's Shorthorn. Jonathan Shorthorn, mayor of Gulch City. And uh, whom do I have the honor of addressing? Well, I'm Greg Collins, and this is my wife. Folks, I'd like you to meet our surprise strangers. And they seem a mighty nice young couple. Mr. and Mrs. Collins. Visitors of ours are come near dying of curiosity. <laughs> yeah, is that right, boy? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I won't keep them in suspense any longer. <clears throat> One hundred years ago today, a stranger came along here 
and on their spot found a nugget of gold. That stranger was my grandfather, Jonathan Shorthorn I. Thus he became the founder and first settler of Dry Gulch. Well, it took 100 years to teach us that there ain't no more gold here. You mean you're celebrating because there's no more gold? We're celebrating because we know there's something just as good. Yep, the geologists say this territory is loaded with rich minerals. There's claxite, and it's our guess there's uranium, too. But now, Mr. and Mrs. Collins... We plan the ceremony as being sort of appropriate. As the first strangers in the town, you are repeating an event which took place exactly 100 years ago. We ain't got no gold for you, but we do offer you the warmest welcome in the world. And now, Mr. Collins, I'm handing over my office, making you mayor of Dry Gulch City for the day. The town is yours, and we'd like you to be our guest. Shorthorn, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Jonathan, it's Jonathan. Jay, not uh, now. Go on, Mr. Collins. Yeah, well, well uh, as I was saying... Hey, uh, Jonathan, I'm we, sorry, uh, but I'm... We had no idea... What is it? ...when we, uh, right when we came into oh, your God, town this morning... What? That, uh, Keep going, kid. Don't uh, let them throw you. Well, you I, mean I, just now? Well, in the back, yeah. Uh, Mr. Collins, excuse me, but... Uh, uh, folks, there's uh, something dreadful has happened. I'm sorry, but I'm afraid this shows off temporarily. Jake here, the sheriff of our town, tells me that Bart Connors is here. Uh, well, there uh, has had an accident. Mention murder in front of my husband, and he makes like a gun dog on a duck shooting expedition. Quivering nose and all. You'll get a better idea in a moment, so keep your ears pinned, friends. We'll be back in a moment with more of our story. Small it may be, but even its worst enemies wouldn't deny that Dry Gulch had quite an imagination. The surprise party anniversary idea might not stir much excitement at a meeting of the Junior Chamber of Commerce. But when it came to murder, the smallest city in the West really had a hit on its hands. I might have known Bart Connors would spoil the party. Would any other self-respecting citizen get himself killed today? Uh, who is, uh, oh, who was Bart Connors, Mr. Shorthorn? Bart Connors was the owner of this here saloon, the wagon wheel saloon. Hey, he's still there. Well, that guy sitting in the rocking chair, the murder doesn't seem to worry him much. That's him. Huh? Oh. You mean that... Yep, that's Bart there. Uh, on the rocking chair. Hmm. <laughs> 
Hey, looks real peaceful, don't he, sitting in the sun? <laughs> looks dead to the world, don't he, eh? <laughs> now, I'll be... He's been stabbed in the back, right through the back of the chair. Don't touch the body, anybody. <clears throat> Jake, uh, I'm calling the state police. Do whatever you have to, then get the body off for the sidewalk. Yeah, okay, Jonathan, okay. And when you're through, come over to my place. You're coming, Miss Collins? Well, I'll catch up with you later. I'll see you at my place. Uh, Jonathan will tell you where it is. If you care to stay the night, we'll be real delighted to have you both. That body's been there for quite a few hours, Jake. How come it hasn't been seen? It has been. As a matter of fact, I was talking to it myself about an hour ago. I don't get it. No, I guess you don't. Uh, hmm. You ain't gonna. One thing, it ain't none of your business. Okay, Dad. Come on, Gail. Oh, wait, Greg. Jake, you are worried, aren't you? Can't we help you at all? Yeah, yeah, as well admit. Yep, I'm worried. Greg's a detective, a fully qualified licensed detective. Yeah, that's so, huh? Well, wouldn't help any if he was the FBI. Know who the killer was? Known all along. Who? <laughs> Same man you'll be staying with tonight. Old Jonathan Shorthorn. <laughs> Greg, I, I can't bear being here in Miss Shorthorn's house, knowing all the time that... Oh. Just a moment. Oh, hello. I'm Kitty Shorthorn. My father told me we were up here in the guest room. Oh, how do you do? I, I'm Greg Collins, and uh, over there making the repairs is my wife, Gail. Oh, hello, Kitty. As you can see, we're making ourselves at home. Oh, please do. I... <laughs> Oh, Mr. Collins, what's it all about? Here. Here, sit down on the bed. What's it all about? Jake said Dad killed Connors. But he didn't. He didn't. Of course he didn't, Kitty. We know that, too. But you must be brave. Oh. Kitty. Kitty, we're with you. We want to help you. Now, you'll have to tell us everything you know about this. Jake told me. Kitty. Kitty, what did Jake tell you? He told me that Bart Connors was lazing out in front of the saloon. Same as he does every day. That was about ten o'clock this morning. All the men, they sit out in front of the saloon and talk and sleep. Now go on. Well, this morning they were walking over to sit down and they saw Dad there, standing up abusing Bart Connors. Then when they got close, he hurried off past them. Jake said he looked real mad. But, Greg... Jake told you all this. I'd like the story over again. Kitty, do you mind? Honey, believe me, I'm trying to help. Did, did, did any of these men actually see your father do anything to Connors? No. Jake said he just saw Dad standing there, and then he hurried off. And then the others, the three of them, Jake and Mr... Yeah. Well, they just sat down alongside Mr. Connors. He had his hat over his face like he always does. They thought he was asleep or not talking or something. But he must have been dead then. So they just sat down and they dozed in the sun, too. How long were they there, did Jake say? About two hours, I suppose. Kitty, did Jake tell you that it was your father's knife? Yes, but he didn't do it. He didn't. Oh, uh, excuse me, folks, but uh, Kitty girl... Have to ask you to pack your old man's grip. What do you mean, Jake? I'm sorry, girlie, but it's that interfering varmint that no good scoundrel makes. Eh? Reckons I'm taking advantage of my position as sheriff. 
And he insists that I arrest your father. Jake, you wouldn't. I ain't got no choice now, girlie. Now, get his grip ready. I'm taking him down to the jailhouse now. And the charge is murder. And that's how our first few hours in Dry Gulch ended, with Jake almost tearfully arresting Mayor Shorthorn for the murder of Bart Connors. There was little Jake could do about it. The charges were certainly explicit. First, Shorthorn's known attitude to the victim. He hated him. Check. Second, Shorthorn's location to the victim at the estimated time of death. Right alongside. Check. Third, Shorthorn's link with the murder weapon. Owner. Check. Three checks. Bingo. The home side loses. And yours truly has a disconsolate orphan to be on her hands, little Kitty Shorthorn. Kitty, how about this Mapes character, the one who insisted on Jake arresting your father? Where does he fit into the picture? If Dad had any enemies, they were Bart Connors and the man you just mentioned, Grover Mapes. Mapes was the guy who busted a boy getting your father into jail. How about that, Hawkshaw? It bears considering. Dad hated Connors. Connors was a crook. There were any number of things that Dad and Jake knew Connors was mixed up in, but nothing they could prove. He ran a card game at the back of the saloon. That was definitely crooked. Well, that's interesting background, but it's also excellent material for a motive. And Mapes? Mapes is a very rich man, and he's always envied Dad's standing in the community. He owns a lot of cattle land east of here. He's an investor, too, but no one knows much about his business activities at all. Mm, The mystery man. Another thing, he and Bart Connors were very thick. In fact, Grover Mapes was about the only man in the community that Connors was friendly with. Well, at least it's a link. Dad and Jake were frightened that if Mapes won the next election, he'd make Connors sheriff. You mean Mapes wants to run for mayor? Yes, didn't you know? The election's tomorrow. Today's celebration was sort of a climax to his year in office. Would have been a great success, too. Dad was a certainty to have won the election tomorrow. Well, there, there could be a reason why Mapes wanted to be mayor. Where does he live, Kitty? He has an office in town. He sleeps in the back room. But right now he's probably celebrating Dad's arrest. Fine. And this is the time to pay Mr. Mapes a visit. Let's case the back of this joint. I've been the one to play long shots before, but this is ridiculous. Here's a window. Uh, closed. Instruments readiness? Yes, sir. Nail file? Nail file. Uh, nail file. I felt sure it was in my bag. Ah, oh, here it is. Nail file? Shoe. Oh, all right. Shoe. Now, small tap here. And pressure here. And there. Voila. Now, up with the window. Ladies first. Oh, let's not stand on ceremony. After you. If you insist. Come on. In you come, girl. Oh, there's his desk over there. Greg, what are we looking for? What do you hope to find? If I find anything, I'll be amazed. Let's stop with these papers. You take that pile and I'll dance through these. These are all sharebrokers' reports. What have you got? Oh, just some old maps and letters from the government lands office in Washington. Well, let's see. Hey, I think we've struck oil. Or better still, uranium. Here, hold the torch. What's this for? Map? Letters. That's a map of government territory. 
Here, look at this. A geologist's report on the area. And, and listen to this. The Geiger count of this area indicates an extremely high proportion of radioactive mineral. The uranium. Gail, that's the land in this area. But look at this, Greg. Applications for government territory. Where'd you get that? The same file. Gail, this is real evidence. This is the link we want. What is it? This is an application for government land made out by Bart Connors and made over to Grover Mapes. But, but what's it mean? Is it proof that Mapes killed Connors? Not in itself, but it's a link. It could be a motive. We'll take these papers with us. Let's have some light on what we're doing, Mr. Collins. Mr. Mapes, I presume. Correct. Quick, get in the door. No, you don't. I aim for your head then, Collins. Take your hat off and see how much I miss by. You missed. That's good enough for me. You all right, Gail? Yes. The two of you sit down on that couch. Now, don't try anything, or I'll shoot and kill you both. And the law will be right behind me. Now, that's the idea, Collins. What's the idea? Did you find any money? They weren't after money, Mapes, and you know it. You're right, Collins. You were after something to tie me in on Connor's murder. Something that would get that sanctimonious old fool short on off the hook and me on it. That's what you were looking for, but you won't find it. You can't. Because I had nothing to do with Connor's murder. Shoron killed him with that spring-loaded knife of his. And everyone knows it. In this state, killers get the chair. And Shoron's going to fry. Now get, you couple of cheap crooks. Get out of here and get out of town. You know, this is definitely not our town. Not one clue, nothing. I'm convinced that old short owner's in the clear, and I'm just to show that Mapes is guilty, but how? Why? Look, drive me over to the jail. I'll see if Jake will let me see short owner. What good will that do? You never know. Anyway, I can't think of anything else. You can drive back to Kitty's and get some sleep. Well, this is a heck of a way to run a jail. Do you play poker with all your prisoners, Jake? Come in, my boy. Come in. Ain't much of a bunkhouse, but... Jake, do you mind if I ask Mr. Shorthorn some questions? No, go ahead. Waste of time, though. Ask anything you like, my boy. I'm in the doggone hole, and I know it. Did you know that Mapes is making application for government territory in this area? No, no. Can't say that I do. Any application must go through me as mayor. And that's something I ain't aiming to do. There's every indication of uranium around this country, and Mapes is the last person I see get his big hands on it. But tomorrow Mapes will be mayor. You're in jail. You can't run. Jakes, I told you. I told you that credit was a crook. You see what happens? If he gets to be mayor, the whole town will be shot to pieces. Now, Jonathan, don't get excited. We've got to prove your innocence and get you out of here. That's the first thing. Ah, what's the use, son? I'm tired like a heifer. The evidence is too strong against me. But it was your knife. You were seen arguing with him. Jake saw himself. I admit it. It was my knife. I was talking to him, but that don't mean that he was arguing back. What do you mean? He just sat there, darn it. I said it before, and I see it now. He was a crook, and I hate crooks in my town. As soon as I saw him sitting there, I went over and told him to get out of town. Get out, you crook, I said. Get out of a decent town. And he just sat there? Yeah, that Connor sure used to make Jonathan mad. He didn't say anything. And he could have been dead while you were talking to him. 
Like he was when we sat alongside him, with his hat over his face. Yes, of course. But that still doesn't explain a knife. <laughs> that knife never was any good. Used to cut up everything. Couldn't get a cheese to fit it, so I quit using it. What did you do with it? Passed it on the table of the office. It was stolen about a month ago. Look, I'm going over to the scene of the murder again. Maybe there's something we missed. Ah, go on home to sleep, son. Ain't nothing you can do. Like the good wife I am, I went home to bed, and I must say that that husband of mine has a smart as well as a good-looking head on his shoulders. So hold tight, folks. In just a moment, we'll bring you the climax of the case. At ten the next morning in the bar of the saloon, which was serving as the local public hall, the candidates for the mayoral office were making their last-minute speeches. At least, one was. Poor old Jonathan Shorthorn was still in jail. The other, friend Mapes, had the race to himself and was cantering home over the last furlong of his vindictive speech. I, my friends, stand for a clean, decent, noble government. A noble, upstanding... Just a moment, Mapes. What's going on here? I'm going to get out of this hand. What do you want? Hang on there, Mapes. I'm coming up to the platform. I'm warning you, Collins. Ladies and gentlemen, I apologize if I may seem rude in interrupting your meeting, but yesterday, as part of your centennial celebrations, you made me mayor of Dry Gulch. Last night, I checked with Mr. Jonathan Shorthorn, and he told me there was no phony title. Legally, I was made mayor of Dry Gulch for one day. This morning, as mayor... I exercised the right of my office. I made an order binding the territorial limits of this city over to the state. Now, wait a minute. I did it for a reason, and I think that Mapes here understands. From the time he takes office, he intends to apply and grant himself the Dry Gulch territory known to contain uranium. Why? And there would have been nothing to stop it. And I use the past tense because Mapes is never becoming mayor. Instead, he's going to the chair for the murder of Bart Collins. He's free! Get over of him! He's free! Grab him, Jake! Don't let him go! And now, ladies and gentlemen, if you listen to me, I'll prove it. Yesterday morning, after an argument in a wagon wheel saloon with Mapes, Connors went outside of one of those rockers on the sidewalk. Mapes, still incensed, followed him out. But Connors refused even to talk. In his cut-hopping way, he merely covered his face with his Stetson and pretended to go to sleep. Now, about a month ago, Mapes stole Jonathan Shorthorn's knife from his office. He saw it on the table and he just took it. Now, as Mapes will tell you, that knife was a spring loader. You know, trick knife. The blade packs back into the handle. And with a slight pressure on the hilt of the handle, springs out with tremendous force. Well, yesterday morning... Mapes saw his opportunity. While Connors rocked on, Mapes rested the loaded knife on the windowsill just behind Connors' back. He just left it there and walked away. Poor old Connors rocking away nice and peaceful. And then one rock too long. His shoulder touches the hilt of the knife and... Connors rocked himself to sleep for good. So that... Husband? Hmm? How did you know it was Mapes who stole the knife? Well, that night I spoke to Jonathan in jail. He mentioned the knife in conversation. 
It wasn't until later, when I was inspecting Connor's rocking chair, that I realized that earlier Mapes had caught it a spring-loaded knife, remember? Yes, I remember. All the years he had it, Shorthorn thought it was an ordinary knife. Everyone did. Everyone except Mapes. And then, when I realized the significance of it being a spring-loader, I went over the murder scene again, put two and two together, and Jack's your uncle. And Greg's my husband. My very smart, clever husband. Aren't you, darling? Hey, watch your eyes on the road! Don't go away. In just a moment, we'll be back with you. Well, folks, Gail and I hope you enjoyed our adventure, Rockabye Murder. Be sure to visit us next time for another Puzzle in Murder. For whether it's crime and romance, there you'll find Mr. and Mrs. Collins. Now, another mystery on Mystery Radio XXX. The invitation had a gold edge on pink paper. The lettering was black. The words went, You are cordially invited to an unveiling of George's fashions for the future. Then it gave the date and the street address. George was one of the bigwigs in the women's fashion game. If he had a surname, he discouraged the use of it. Just plain old George with a French accent, thank you. I had no idea why George sent me an invitation, but as I had the time on my hands, I went along. I was early. So were the 50 or so people in the display room. Most of them were old ducks, and some had their husbands along. One of the husbands, a little Casper milk toast of a man, came over to me with two drinks in his hand. Have one? Oh, uh, thanks. Triple scotch. <laughs> uh, who are you trying to forget? Uh, not who, not who. All this. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, don't you like fashion shows, huh? Hate them. My wife drinks me a lot. That's her over there, with the peacock feathers in her hat. Oh. Yes. I feel the same way. Well, won't your wife miss you? Only when she wants me to use the checkbook. I'm very good at signing checks. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. And welcome to the unveiling of my fashions for the future. I, of course, am George. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And now for the business at hand. Music, maestro. Well, what a smart boy, huh? He's even setting a mood. Very expensive music, that. Everything is expensive. If George smiles at you, it's time to reach for the checkbook. Now, my dear friends, we are ready for the big moment. First, my creation for evening wear. I have called this creation Blue of Dawn. Here we are. Oh, lovely. 
And so it went on. Evening gowns, suits, ah, oh. lingerie, negligees. Have a look at that. Mm-hmm. Nice, isn't she? I said. Well, she, she went to do. Yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine. I had no idea she'd be modeling here today. What's her name? Uh, if I'm not being too bold. Marla Newton. Very nice. Charming. Such beautiful uh, eyes. We were standing near the platform at the extreme end. Marna came along the platform. Larry. Why, she, she's talking to you. Yeah. What is it, Marna? See you after the fashion show? Sure. Coffee shop next door. Mm -hmm. I want to have a talk with you. Right. Well, I wouldn't mind going to fashion shows if that's what happened to me. Look, uh, I think your wife is signaling for you. Oh, dear. She probably wants to buy the negligee your friend is modeling. I, I'm sure they won't have it in my wife's size. I was sitting at a rear table in the coffee joint. There were about six other guys, all escorted. They forgot about their escorts when Mana walked in. She was wearing a tangerine wool dress. <laughs> ah, those lucky sheep. Hello, Mary. I was so glad to see you there. Ditto. Coffee? Thank you. Another coffee, please. Well, what is it you want to see me about, Mana? A body. You said body, didn't you? Yes. In my, uh, in my living room. That's a fine place to keep a body. That's just it, Larry. Uh -huh. You mean you want me to get rid of it? Yes. And that was why you were so glad to see me, huh? Yes. Marner, I'm a private eye. I don't think you understand. I didn't kill Ed. Oh, you're pretty familiar with the corpse. His name is Ed Murphy. He was a friend of mine. Seems to me I've heard that name. He was well-known around the nightclubs. Played polo, drove a racing car. Yeah, yeah, I remember now. You got any idea of why he should be dead in your living room? No. But he had a habit of just dropping in on people. He had a set of skeleton keys. He'd just open the door and go in. It's odd he lived this long. How was he killed? Knife, I think, from the way his clothes are torn. I didn't kill him. I didn't say you did. Come on. We'll skip the coffee. Have a drink at your place. Marna was a model in the upper brackets, and her Potts Point apartment looked like it. Everything was expensive. Everything was just right. Except, of course, the, uh, the guy on the rug. He'd been stabbed all right. At least a dozen times. Look, I didn't see that when I came in. The knife, half under the lounge. Mm, kitchen knife. Yours? Yes. Don't touch it. Don't worry, I won't. Oh, I'm scared, Larry. So scared. Hey. Hold on to me. Why, sure. Oh, if you hadn't been at the fashion show, I don't know what I'd have done. When did you find him? Just before the fashion show. I'd been out all morning getting fitted for the show. Why didn't you go to the cops? I was too frightened. You see, Ed and I were once very friendly. We broke up after quite an argument. Of all places, we had the argument at a nightclub. 
How long were you there getting fitted? From nine till about half past one. Mm, it's now four. Why should it matter what time it is? Because from the feel of this guy's hand and because of other things, I'd say he'd been dead for about six hours. Can you prove you were at the fashion show all morning? Oh, yes. Then you've got nothing to worry about. You're in the clear. We might as well get the cuffs. No, Larry. Why not? Larry, I'm a well-known fashion model. If this got out, my career would be finished. People in the business are very conservative. Well, it's a bad break, Marna, but there's nothing we can do about it. It'd mean starting all over again in some other business. I, I just couldn't face that, Larry. Sorry, I'm going to use the phone. Put it down, Larry. Uh-uh, it's got to be this way. Oh, just put it down for a moment. Please. Please. Well, make it fast. If you help me, Larry, I'll do anything. Don't worry, I'll help you after I get the cops. I didn't mean that kind of help. Oh? What kind do you mean? Get rid of the body for me. Uh-uh. I don't think you quite understand. You see, I... I'm a very appreciative sort of girl. Are you? Mm-hmm. Larry. You're, uh, wrinkling my tie. Larry. Oh, what's a wrinkled tie? Come here. <laughs> yeah. Now do you understand? Mm, you're quite a girl. I'll confess something. Yeah. During all the time I've known you. Oh, I've wanted you to do that. Uh, maybe you should have cooperated earlier. Well, we're cooperating now, aren't we? Speaking of cooperation. Larry. Sorry, honey, there's a right way. Stop. Sure. I didn't want to do it this way. Well, as I said before, you're quite a girl. A kiss one minute, a gun the next. I don't want to use it. Put your hands on top of your head. Why? So I can take your gun. Which was what she did. Keeping the muzzle of her fancy twenty-five against my back. A twenty-five slug is pretty small, but that doesn't make it any less deadlier than another slug when it hits you in the right place. You're going to help me get rid of the body, Larry. Am I? You're going to carry him out the back way to my car. Then we're going for a drive. I got the body to the car without anybody seeing me. Dumped it in the back. I drove. Marna sat in front with me, keeping the gun trained on the knot in my tie. We got rid of the body in French's forest. Went back to the car, drove back towards the city. Where to, honey? Your place. You can give me a drink. Well, that was what happened. She even poured the drinks herself, keeping her gun on me all the while. She took her drink, backed away. I took mine. I was out of scotch, so it was neat Irish whiskey. Here's luck, Larry. You're going to need it. Not thinking of turning me in, are you? If I said I was going to turn you into the boys in blue, would you shoot me? I'd very much dislike to. Oh. 
A record player. Mm-hmm. Mm. Loaded, too. Mind if I turn it on? Go right ahead. Thank you. I'll just sit down and look at you. Hmm. Nice nylons. Just think of all the good times we could have had. But not now, huh? Well, you're going to be very angry with me. I don't get you. I don't get you one bit. <laughs> I've got you wondering, haven't I? Yeah. Are you just having fun waiting to put a slug in me? Mary. I wouldn't dream of doing anything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, what comes next? What do you mean? Well, you're not just going to sit there all night looking at me. Why not? You know, you have an interesting face. Far from perfect, of course. Scar here and there. A rugged, tough face. Yeah. I... Uh, 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 What's the matter, Larry? My head was pounding. I looked at her. She was smiling. Then her face blurred. Headache, Larry. I... Uh, Perhaps it was the Irish whiskey. Whis whiskey? You didn't see me put the drops in it, did you? Poison. Don't try to get up. You're helpless. See? You can't even move your arm. Are you... You... <laughs> I was just about out. She got to her feet... But to me, she was a blur of movement. She went to the phone. And I couldn't see anymore. The last thing I heard was... at my skull. I was on the couch. I pushed myself up, staggered, <clears throat> grabbed the table, went over. <sighs> I lay on the floor, cheek pressed against the carpet. And then suddenly it hit me. Couldn't have been poison in the whiskey. Finally, I crawled to the bathroom on my hands and knees, turned on the shower, crawled into the shower cubicle, clothes and all. The cold needles of water stabbed life into me. Peel off my clothes. Got to my feet. Stayed under the shower for at least five minutes. Then I shaved, dressed, and went to the nearest saloon where I had a couple of beef teas laced with double brandies. After that, police headquarters and 
Inspector Daniels. You don't look so good, Kent. I don't feel so good. Too bad. Oh, this is a great place to come for sympathy. What's on your mind? Murder. If you've come here with another one of your theories... It's I... not about one of the 50-odd unsolved murders on your books. As a matter of fact, this one isn't even on the books. Come on, out with it. I've, uh, I've got word that a body was dumped at a certain place in French's forest. Whose body? I'll tell you all about it when we get there. If this is one of those little games of yours... You want me to take this to Inspector Lemon? Come on. Turn off the road on that clay patch. Where do we go from here? Just follow me. Yeah, straight this way. If there's a body out here, Kent, how do you know about it? I'll tell you when we find it. It's just behind this book. Well? Well, it was supposed to be just here. Ah. It was supposed to be, eh? Yeah. And where is it now? Oh, I haven't got the slightest idea. Kent, your license comes up for renewal next month. Yeah. And do you know who's going to write a nasty little letter to the commissioner? Yeah. Ever done much hitchhiking, Kent? So long, Inspector. Took me almost an hour to get a lift to the city. I went to a payphone, used the directory, got Ed Murphy's address. Lavano Road, Mossman. It was a brick cottage. There were no lights burning. On the corner was a milk bar. I went in. It was a young blonde behind the counter. There's something for you? Yeah, maybe. Do you know a fellow named Ed Murphy? Mr. Murphy? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> oh. He's an awful nice man. Tells you how beautiful you are, huh? Uh. <laughs> look, uh, look, uh, I I'm uh, a reporter. I'm working on a story about Ed, Ed Murphy. I know he's a man about town and a good sportsman. Oh, he's a sport, all right. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Well, uh, the point is, he's not home, see? So I wonder if you could give me a few facts. Like, for instance? Is he married? Oh, no. Lives alone? Oh, yes. I know that because... Uh, well... Yeah. Uh, thanks. Is that all you want to know? I think so. If there's anything more, I get off at 11 o'clock. <laughs> oh, fine. Uh, I might come back for a... Uh, Milkshake. <laughs> I went to Murphy's place, walked around the back, got out my skeleton keys. Tried the knob. Didn't need the keys. I went in. Reached for the light switch on the wall. What? The, the guy was just standing there, scared. The place was a shambles. He made a move, but I put my right fist in the way. <laughs> Followed with a few more. 
Well, looks like somebody else had the same idea. Let's see who you are, Buster. Uh-huh. Driver's license. Fred R. Cunningham. <clears throat> Hello, Freddy. <clears throat> what were you looking for, Freddy? Uh, um... Do you know Ed Murphy? Yeah. Murphy and his friends have the darndest habit of just walking into each other's places. Well, I... Uh, I left a cigarette case here. Cigarette case, huh, Freddy? Is that why you pulled the rugs from the floor, the pictures from the walls? Is that why you started to pull the stuffing from the furniture? Uh, the place was like that when I got here. So you just calmly searched instead of calling the cops, huh? I was only here a minute or so before you arrived. But you didn't bother to turn on the lights. You used that flashlight I see on the floor, huh, Freddy? All right, so what are you going to do about it? Well, maybe we can make some kind of a deal. Deal? Dough, Freddy. You mean if I offer you some money... I won't call in the cops. How much money? You make the offer. Fifty pounds. <laughs> oh, that's worth a lot more than that, Freddy. Just for entering a house? And for doing a couple of hundred quids worth of damage. I told you it was like that when I got here. No, no, Freddy, no, you... You did that. You were looking for something specific and you didn't find it. Something worth a heck of a lot of dough. You seem to know a lot about it. I didn't, but I wanted him to think I did. He was a pretty boy, this Freddy. Curly black hair, a dimple in each cheek, big brown eyes. A cute cleft in his chin. Well, what was I looking for, eh? Marna told me. That's a lie, Martin. What a... I figured you were working with Marna. But I was a bit puzzled when I noticed that wedding ring on your finger. Not many men wear wedding rings, and when they do, they're usually very much in love with their wives. But a guy who's palling around with a cheap frill like mine... Shut up! That's what she is, Freddy. After she used you, she should have killed you, Kent. Well, that gives me the complete picture. Won't do you any good. I'll tell you about it anyway, Freddy. You were in Marna's apartment with Murphy. You stabbed him, panicked, and ran. You phoned Marna and told her what had happened. She saw that you were too upset. To... I wonder who's calling Murphy. Why don't you go and see? Yeah. That might be an idea, Freddy. Hello? Hello? Hmm. Wrong number? Yeah. I think you were wrong right along the line, Kent. Maybe the cops won't think so. You've got nothing at all. I got plenty. To establish a murder, you're going to have a corpse. And you got rid of the corpse after Marna and I dumped it, right? That's right. While I was unconscious after Marna slipped me the mickey. Yeah. And then you came here and started looking for the... The what? Taking a blind stab, I'd say letters or maybe a photograph or two, huh? Go on. Well, it's pretty simple, really. You're a cute boy and you're married, probably to a dame either older than you are or not very exciting. Not nearly as exciting as Marner. And so? Well, Ed Murphy has a, a reputation as a sportsman and man about town. A guy like him would have to have a lot of money. Yet he had no obvious source of income, which spells in any language blackmail, Freddy. And uh, who was he blackmailing? Marner and you. Whatever he had, it put the both of you together in a very compromising way. Why should I worry about that? I'm in love with Marna. 
Sure, but you love money, too. Your wife's money. As for Marna, she's a top model, and she likes it. If a scandal involving the two of you came along, she'd be finished as a model, and your wife would throw you to the wolves. How's that for size? Theoretically, it's fairly good. Oh, there are a few ends that need tying, but they're not very important. Such a shame that all that sharp thinking must go to waste. It won't. Get up, get up fast. Uh, all right, I'll pull you up. Uh, I heard a sound outside. I've been waiting for it. Got my arm around his throat and held on tight. The back door, which I hadn't pushed shut, now opened all the way. Marna! Marna came in the 25 and a hand, but she couldn't fire without hitting a boyfriend. However, that didn't stop her. Don't shoot, Larry. Drop it. I intended to. Freddy went limp. I let go of him. Full of surprises, aren't I, Larry? Yeah. Well, don't just stand there holding the gun on me. What gives? It was all his idea, Larry. He killed Murphy. But you played right along with him. I had to. Oh, Larry, put the gun away. Why? This is why. Mm. His kisses could never make me feel like this. That was you on the phone, wasn't it? Does it matter? Oh, does anything matter? It was a prearranged thing. You would have phoned to see if everything was okay. Yes. When I heard your voice, I knew what I had to do. We can leave him here. He killed Murphy. That should finish it. But first we have to find something, don't we? Oh, I knew you'd see it my way. Yes, Larry. We have to find the photos. Of you and our late friend here, huh? Yes. But before we start looking... Oh, Larry. <sighs> we can have such a lot of fun. You're a smart girl, but you made one mistake, one bad mistake. Larry. I like you, Marla. I like you a lot. But with you around, I could never turn out the lights. You're too smart. I don't like any women that way. Larry, Larry, kiss me once again. No, honey. This is how I feel. <laughs> oh, why, you dirty, filthy rotten... She said a lot of other things, but I still call the cops. According to Inspector Daniels, she'll get life. The body of Murphy incidentally floated to the top of a quarry a week later. But after the cops took Marna in and asked me their quota of questions, I went to get a milkshake. I was wondering if you'd come back. <laughs> My blonde friend didn't have very much on top. <laughs> but who cares about an empty attic? Good night. Join us again next time on Mystery Radio X. X.